my constituency. I'm yet to hear somebody telling me that he has benefited from the conditional cash transfer and other programs like that. It's worrisome that this is happening. How has this been for you, first as a lawmaker and second as a Nigerian? Talk to Adara. A talk show like never before, delving deep into the hearts of social issues, unapologetic, engaging, thought-provoking, a show that bridges the gap between the people and policymakers, bringing solutions and giving a voice to these issues. Talk to Adara. My name is Adora Onyedra. It is a privilege always to have you here. Every Tuesday at 4 p.m. on 99.9 Kiss FM Abuja. Talk to Adara. It will leave you at the edge of your seat. Politicians make we beg on oh. Nigerian people make we beg on oh. See, we are in this together. And the beggars make we beg on oh. Don't Allah make we beg on oh. And this is coronavirus crisis. Some people are stealing money. Criminality is increasing. What has happened to us? Stay for us, you know, and stay. Even though we suffer, but we don't go break. Together we go end this corona crisis. If everybody do what we're supposed to do, my people love it, make we fed on Our leaders make we fed on If we do what we're supposed to do, together we go end this corona crisis. Always wash your hands with soap and water. Wear face masks every time you come out. I beg you no travel, go another state. Stay at home and maintain social distance. In case you get any question, you can talk to Adora. Search for talk to Adora. Together we can end this corona crisis. Hello everyone, how are you this evening? It's uh, 4 o'clock right on the dot here from outside the FCT, yes, city centre, Abuja, the nation's capital. And I don't know where you're reaching out from, Im State, Kwara, Lagos, Ekiti, uh, however you can find and watch us on Facebook in a while. Um, definitely we'll be asking you to join us on our show. We'll be having live conversations here today to be all about the audience. And remember, um, you can join us on Talk to Adora. You can also join us on Talk to Adora on Facebook. You can join us on Talk to Adora on Instagram as well as Twitter. So, yes, um, last week it was it was it was a bouquet. Uh, I mean, we had an intense conversation here and going from that conversation we had sort of like a you know a mind teaser to find out what people really thought about the ongoing crazy um conversations on the cases of the increase of rape uh in nigeria even here in the fct and so we had um honorable princess uh, miriam onwaha who joined us she's a member representing okigwe constituency and onimo and uh, isia lambano as well and you know she talked about her a conversation at the plenary session where she raised a motion on speedy uh, trial of offenders in order to be able to find, you know, uh, the the relevant punishment for them uh, in the case of any rape incident. And also, uh, she talked about, you know, cases of mentally profiling people uh, and having an open registry uh, where people can also be named and be shamed uh, who are offenders or who are found guilty. But one of the conversations we also had was what kind 
kind of punishment would you be given an offender or a rapist? I mean, we asked that death penalty or castration. I think that was a very um, discomforting one for her. But uh, she said, well, she would allow the full weight of the Lord, the policies to take shape and all of that. But, you know, she said she would rather, you know, go through the process. She was leaning more towards uh, castration and a little to the death penalty, but not really saying what. But I think what's most important is that, you know, she feels that there is an intention um, by the, the Senate and the House of Representatives to look at lasting measures to be able to bring offenders uh, to book. Also, in view of that, we talked about the issue concerning uh, one of the music icons in Nigeria who also was found, um, well, the gossip and the conversation and the issue and allegation also found him wanting in the area of propriety in terms of the fair events and uh, cases of accusation that had been uh, done with regards to um, uh, the assault of a certain young woman. Um, yes, that is the badge. And I know that currently today, the IGP of police ordered a probe of policemen who arrested um, the Banji's accuser. So, yes, and that was what we were trying to say last week, that victims or survivors who come out to name and shame, perhaps alleged uh, offenders, should find some level of protection from the law until the investigations have gone through and the conversations are also brought to book. Now, again, we also want to say that um, we also had a conversation with uh, uh, Mrs. Wanko, who was a key volunteer at the IDP camps and we talked about um, empowerment versus abuse you know how much does an empowered woman have uh, in terms of you know getting strength uh, financially in order to reduce the level of you know economic abuse or abuse based on economic reasons uh, for women and we do know that a lot of those young girls or women are displaced by eternal crisis in their communities so we had her as well and uh, she was one of the people who said that penalty you know when we asked her that question but in terms of looking at the numbers we'll be talking about um yeah the numbers we had last week was quite interesting uh we looked at a few cases online and um what we did see in terms of people's responses was one uh, what would you recommend as the appropriate punishment for rapist, castration, or death penalty? That was a question online. And someone, and the summary of that is that uh, uh, from our own mess, we saw castration about uh, 219 uh, altogether. Death, we had about 109. And then live jail 10, we had about 10. <laughs> evil and I think somebody somewhere will be saying well uh, castration they live with the pain that's what somebody said online and they will never touch another human being male female or animal for as long as they live and um, death uh, with the number there they said well um, we do know that there is a process and maybe a possibility that they might or might not have done it but before it gets to that I'm sure that there could have been some readings to know whether the person committed the crime or not and then live jail term of course is turned they say the person would live with their sins and live with other inmates who probably would also abuse them uh, in, in, in the best somebody online said gang rape them castrate them 
and jail them for life and kill them before they are released. I, I don't know. That cocktail is just quite mind-boggling. <laughs> and please, you know, you do not punish an offender with the same kind of punishment. I think we'll be short or we'll fall short of trying to read the society of the offense. Because if you're a rapist, you're also a rapist. So regardless of how you want to match the argument, it is so totally, totally wrong. Now... Um, I do not know how you are following the conversation on the COVID-19 index uh, numbers uh, at the state level, but we do know that, um, yes, there have been uh, an increase. Certain persons have died within the week. Yes, we lost uh, the former governor there of the state, and uh, our heart goes out to his family, and we are just hearing also that uh, Keridolu seems to be in the burner as well. So, this is real. It is not gimmick. It is not conspiracy. It is not a scam. So, um, if you're joining us on Facebook, COVID-19, like people like to cut it short and say, it's real. It is not something that you are playing with. Uh, currently, we have about, you know, yesterday we had about 566 new cases uh, confirmed and um, total confirmed in total is uh, 25,133 and then discharged we have 9,402 with deaths so far, 573. But some states take the um, take the stage ahead of others, like Lagos State. We have all your state as well. Uh, we have a state like Eboyin. Someone who say Eboyin, yes, Eboyin too. Eboyin has about uh, 43 people, uh, 43 new cases now, and we have about uh, in Delta 53 new cases now. And uh, I, but I think that the uh, conversation right now in Imo State is the fact that. There seems to be a panic um, and a heightened atmosphere of paranoia because of the number of unreported cases uh, in Emo State. And again, uh, this is as a result of, you know, bandied numbers and people not also showing, um, you know, fought for uh, tests even when they have symptoms or feel that they have reasons to report to any uh, authority that also, um, you know, oversees the issue of, you know, people who have reported for COVID-19 cases. And like I said earlier, you know, when we started this campaign, COVID-19 is not a death sentence. I think it is better you are aware, you are safe, isolated from others, and then contact tracing can be done on time so that people's life will not be lost due to ignorance or carelessness or just share politics, you know, politicizing the issue. But in the terms of conversation, uh, especially when you're talking about the hygiene and sanitation need uh, towards the management of COVID-19, environmental sanitation and hygiene is very important, especially where we are having people sell, buy, and interact daily, uh, such as a place like a marketplace, especially a community marketplace or a street or a roundabout or, you know, a motor park. And so when you look at the statistics, you know, for how well states are doing in terms of sanitation, I know that you look at the great, um, the cater of numbers, Lagos takes, uh, took the kitty there, and then Enugu takes second. The, the least and the last state on that list uh, right now in that cater of number on uh, the list of the dirtiest states in view, uh, sorry to say, is Emo State, especially in the time of COVID-19 uh, spread. Um, and this is coming as a worrying conversation because over the week we have been studying the conversation on the pictures and the reports coming from Emo State in terms of sanitation and cleanliness. And uh, 
oftentimes we have been told that you know the Douglas roads and the roundabouts seem to be taking a hit uh, with the level and the pile of that there and I do not know what the um, institutions responsible are doing or the state government and I think it's quite worrying if we're looking at that conversation in a time where we have a pandemic such as coronavirus or COVID-19 so I think that um, it is not just because it's uh, you know uh, uh just just around the market i think that the airborne disease which is re- which is what covid-19 is about is a spread from one person to the other from object to animal to people so please i do not understand why people can be comfortable in that heap and pile of that i will be talking to a social media commentator later on i think in about 2 3 minutes now to give us feedback on that because we have seen the conversation there and we would want to get a feedback right now on what's happening there uh, in Imo State, especially with the level of sanitation um, around Douglas Road. And then we will take that and then we'll come back to discussing. We're still on hashtag justice for victims and the state of emergency on rape. We'll be right back to stay with us. Honestly, I don't feel okay with this isolation being indoors without going anywhere. It's like hell for me. After this two weeks now, what? I can tell you that in my constituency, I'm yet to hear somebody telling me that he has benefited from the conditional cash transfer and other programs like that. It's worrisome that this is happening. How has this been for you? First as a lawmaker and second as a Nigerian. Talk to Adara. A talk show like never before. Delving deep into the hearts of social issues. Unapologetic. Engaging. Thought-provoking. A show that bridges the gap between the people and policy makers, bringing solutions and giving a voice to these issues. Talk to Adara. My name is Adora Onyeja. It is a privilege always to have you here. Every Tuesday at 4 p.m. on 99.9 Kiss FM Abuja. Talk to Adara. It will leave you at the edge of your seat. All right. Welcome back to the show. Now we will be talking to um, AIC Akwara. He's a social media commentator and, um, yes, a social innovation activist. I'd like to call him that, who tells stories uh, with pictures and also, uh, you know, uh, mobile conversations while on the social media. But I think what is most troubling is the fact that, you know, there seems to be some level of conversation in between the lines. We also understand that the State House of Assembly in Imo State is... Um, our suspension for two weeks we don't really know how many of them who have the covid virus positive numbers no one has come out to say but aic hello good afternoon hello can you hear me yes, i can hear you loud and clear good afternoon Akwarandi. okay good afternoon Ada. you're live on um i talked to adora on kiss fm it's good to have you on the show thank you thank you so much all right now there there is a growing concern uh especially in emo state about one mm. the spread of the pandemic uh covid-19 uh mm. one the state of the isolation centers um to the underreported cases of persons who have tested, um, you know, positive to COVID-19. But before we get there, um, AIC, there's usually a huge relationship between, you know, health and sanitation. Now, a clean environment, uh, it's also one of the biggest components of great health, which is what we do know that, you know, has been preached during this COVID-19 period. 
um tell us exactly because we seem to be having growing concerns from people that there seems to be a growing pile of debt especially around douglas road and the roundabouts there and they are they are afraid that if this continues it will increase the spread of the covid19 virus because it is airborne what are, what is your take on this yeah the issue of uh, sanitation hope you can hear me clearly yes yes we can yeah the issue of sanitation in Imo state is becoming worrisome uh, beyond the Douglas area, where which has been on circulation on, on on social media for some time now, other parts of the the town, namely Ebu Road, Amakoya, Prefab, and all all major areas in the town are all littered with debt, and the problem there is that there is no cohesion among the agencies that are supposed to evacuate this debt. The Entraco is not living up to its expectations. Rather, they are engaging in a battle with the Ministry of Transport, telling them how they should not engage taxi drivers in tow collection within the city. And we believe that one of the primary assignments of Entraco is to ensure that the town is clean. But we, are, we have a situation where Entraco is now doing more in terms of toll collection from drivers, doing more in terms of toll collection from petty traders than their primary assignment, which should be the evacuation of refuse dumps in the city. We are also aware that the government has created more offices there is one they call the Senior Special Assistant on Wealth Management. There is also what they call Commissioner for Environment and others. But we find out that there is no cohesion among all these offices. And that has left the citizens to be at the receiving end of this hotel. Amidst the fear of coronavirus pandemic, we are also battling with the issue of heat of death littered across the city and this gives us fear that if with coronavirus pandemic we are meant to keep our environment clean we are meant to wash our hands and our markets are open especially the death the heap of refuse at a corner at douglas road is just a stone throw from the popular economy market and this is a major market that people are going in every day and coming out. So you can imagine the risk that people are exposed. Beyond coronavirus, we have Lassa fever. We have malaria. We have other diseases. We are exposed to all this just because of the inefficiency of people who have assumed office to take responsibility to do all these things. All right, so Justin, it has been a difficult situation for us here in the state. Okay, sustaining with you on the fear, especially surrounding this period, the pandemic, and you know, for a lot of people in the health sector, even citizens who are in diaspora, who are also indigenous and citizens and members of Imo State, there seems to be a fear that Imo State seems to have one of the most underreported cases of COVID-19 spread, especially people who have tested positive. Uh, for instance, uh, we know that the state assembly 
was shut down for at least for two weeks because um, of an outcry or rather there was a pan, pan, pandemonium mm-hmm. on the issue of the spread and people testing positive but can can you give us effectively do you do have has there been uh, a press statement effectively to say how many people tested positive and who and the reason why I'm asking this is because of contact tracing do you think there is accuracy in the numbers for those who are positive anymore well, from the beginning, from the inception, I've been of the view that the, the government has mismanaged the whole process. And I will tell you why. The issue in Imo State is that the government is playing politics with everything. And I have said it on several fora that this coronavirus issue is not an issue to be played politics with. But you have a, a situation where about 19 members of the state assembly are said to have tested positive. Up to this moment, none of them has owned up to say, my dear constituents, I tested positive to coronavirus. Few moments ago, I just watched a clip where the governor of all those states gave a broadcast announcing his results from a test he ran for COVID-19. And it appeared he turned out positive. That the implication of that message is that those who might have had contact with the governor, knowingly or unknowingly to the public, will begin to self-isolate themselves. But you find the situation in Imo State, those who have tested positive are finding it difficult to own up, especially public officers. Knowing the nature of politics in our state here, knowing the fact that people flock around politicians, you can imagine the situation when one politician tests positive. That means he must have got, come in contact with a lot of people. And because that person has not been able to make it public, this thing will continue. On the issue of contact tracing, let me tell you the, the, the sad news. The sad news is that health workers who are in charge of contact tracing, they use the local public transport the one they call boss Imo, to go for contact tracing. They are not well motivated. They are not well mobilized. They are not well equipped. Do you even know that people who are doing this contact tracing go back to their families after, after their daily duty? That is a case of exposing their various families to this dreaded pandemic. NCDC officials who we are sent to come and assist the local officials here, we are not adequately taken care of. I can tell you authoritatively now that those NCD officials left Imo State. When you, today, when, you, when you say adequately taken care of, what do you mean in perspective? They were, they, they were not provided the necessary materials that, needed, that will guarantee their safety to continue their job. And you know that most of the health workers in other places are exposed to this virus. And they are exposed because, of, because they are engaged in the process of testing others, contact tracing, and other things. So when you have NCDC officials who are not provided with even the least BPE materials, you find out that 
their safety is not even granted. They have to withdraw themselves and go back to base. Today, Enugu State has engaged most of them to come and work for them. So the situation we have here is a situation that the state is not yet serious in fighting COVID-19. We have isolation centers that are not functional. The only isolation center that is functional is the one at FMC. And as I speak to you today, that one is getting overclouded. FMC is no longer attending to people who are having malaria and other issues. And this has increased the level of death in Imo State. So I want to use this opportunity also to call the attention of the government to stop playing politics with COVID-19. Let them be serious in contact tracing. And one of the ways of being serious in contact tracing is letting the people know on, on the nature of those who are testing positive. For instance, in other states, we hear when someone tests positive, the, there is always a press briefing announcing where the person came from, where he arrived first, and the, how he contacted the virus. But that is not the situation here. We just wake up every morning and hear that Imo has recorded 13 new cases, Imo has recorded 12 new cases, and nobody gives us details of any of these persons. And right. that has continued to spread fear in the state. Okay, Akron, okay. just staying with you. Now, you said two major things here. One, the lack of personal protective gear for health workers, which is, was one yes. of the things that wasn't available for members from the um, NCDC. And then secondly, the underreported cases due to the politicization of this conversation. Now, let's go mm. to citizens' participation. Um, it is well, it is, I mean, it is common community knowledge that one, face masks is important hand washing is important uh, you know disinfection uh, disinfect infecting your hands with you know hand sanitizer is also very key and social distance now it, it for going from what I have seen and looking at also the criteria that are to be met in different states do you think that the citizens are taking this seriously or they are considering this another conspiratorial theory that, you know, this thing does not exist. Uh, do you think the citizens are really fully aware of what the dangers, you know, that can get, go, go through by the lack of, you know, going through the basic protection uh, uh, instructions that were given by government? Well, uh, this is where, this is also where the job of the Imo State Orientation Agency comes in. But it's so unfortunate that since the inception of this uh, pandemic, the orientation agency has refused to own up to its responsibility of educating the public on the doors and dots. The Ministry of Health is not doing anything, both on the media space and physically. The COVID-19 committee is not serious with the enforcement. I can tell you that last week, Sunday, from the information I got from the from the churches in the in the in the city, most of them operated like the COVID nineteen pandemic is not in existence. People wear face masks, but most of them wear these face masks in the wrong manner. Most of them go to banks, they don't wash their hands, they don't use hand sanitizer. So the situation here is 
to your tent, O Israel. It's a situation where people have taken responsibility upon themselves to protect themselves because the sensitization is low and people are beginning to think that the thing is a joke because they feel that the government is playing politics with it. The government must show some level of seriousness for people to know that this disease is actually serious and we are doing everything we can to battle it. But up to this moment, that seriousness is not yet there. It's not there. Now, if, yeah. if, if this is happening at the city centers and where, how are the rural areas faring? How are the villages faring? I mean, if this is happening at, you know, the city centers. The, the rural communities are actually the worst place you can visit at this moment because they believe that nothing is happening. And one of the things I have had or any time I have opportunity I have preached to our people is that some of these people who travel from Lagos, Abuja and other cities and go straight to the villages should be avoided for now because you have a situation whereby people travel from cities they go back to the villages and you know the nature of our people they begin to embrace them before you know it some of them will fall sick so the community spread is what we are afraid of now. Because a lot of our rural communities have been exposed to travelers. Knowing how aware it is, you find out that there is, no, there is no local government that is beyond an hour from the city. So it's not an issue of where it could take more time for people to assess the rural areas. Our local governments are a bit civilized and they are much closer to the cities. So the government should also do more with sensitization because our local markets are functioning as if nothing is happening. Our local churches are functioning as if nothing is happening. Our people in the villages are organizing burial as if nothing is happening. They are organizing weddings as if nothing is happening. The government must be serious with some of the laws they have made out in the enforcement, especially the issue of burial. Because most of the people dying now, we don't know what is killing them. Let's assume someone might have died of COVID-19 without knowing, and you gather a lot of people to do the burial. You have not helped in combating this crime, combating this, uh, this pandemic. So it's a situation where we need more sensitization. The local governments must be activated. The local governments are not doing anything. They must be activated to do their work through the public health sectors. They must carry out sensitization to local churches. All right, um, just staying with you just before I finally let you go. You have said something that in the rural areas, if somebody is transiting from the town to the rural area and seem to have fallen sick, people should avoid the person. Do you think just avoiding the person is enough or should there be some level of information management in terms of reporting such index cases? Let me get your question. Those people that have seemed 
you know, to have traveled from the city centers to the villages. Mm. Now, some of them might fall sick or, like you have said, could come back to the village sick and people embrace them. You have said that people should avoid them. Wouldn't it be ideal for those cases to be reported to the appropriate quarters so that at least there is a level of reporting going on and index cases are registered? Exactly. That's why I say that local authorities should be activated so that there can be a lack of information. For instance, when you see someone who has come back from one of the epicenters of COVID-19, you need to alert the public health sector that someone has come back and this person needs to isolate at least for a period of 14 days before coming out to, to interact with the public. So the local communities and local authorities should be activated in the duty of the local government. It's unfortunate that our local government system has gone so low. In the past four months, the local governments have never carried out any activity to enhance sensitization in the local government. And this is very bad. So the government should do more with the local government. The local governments have a lot of roles to play in combating this disease in the rural communities. All right. Um, finally, I know that you've been following the... Uh, thank you so much for the review on uh, state of sanitation and uh, the handling of the COVID-19 in Imo State uh, Quarando. Uh, but before I let thank you go, you. I've seen your advocacy on hashtag say no to rape and ending rape um, across across board, especially here in Nigeria. And I, I know that you follow the story of the murdered uh, four, uh, mother of four who was raped and murdered in Imo State, Mrs. Suzanne Iwoha. Um, mm. Suspectedly, she was said to have um, been raped and murdered in Ihitilboma, uh, local government, with her face uh, dug into a local stream days after she left home to get cassava from her farmland. I think that was the review that we got from some of the uh, information uh, managers from Imo State. But just just looking at the issue and the increase of rape, Akwando, the State Assembly, I know they're on break right now, uh, seem to have only had a second reading on that VAB Act. And the VAB Act is one of the most important documents to help implement the laws. What is your advice? And again, what is also your advice to people who also are out there and are afraid to come out to speak out? Well, uh, issue of reps is uh, a very traumatic one. And uh, I get more, I get very emotional whenever I'm talking about it because I feel bad seeing a young man engaging in such evil act, and it's something that must be condemned. So I urge the government, the National Assembly, the relevant agencies, to please put in laws that can put at least when someone is in this thing, that person will know that. He is writing his own will. We cannot continue like this. Where people do these things and go free. And I want to urge people to be free to speak out. There is no, there is, they should stop fearing the stigmatization. They should be free to come out and say what has happened to them. Because through that way, we can be able to expose some of these corporates in our society. And we can be able to identify them and make sure that the law takes its course. So rape is a no-no for me, and I join my voice. I commend you, Adora, for the advocacy you have been doing against rape. 
and I want you to continue and I, I want to assure you that you are not alone on it. And we shall continue to add our voices till we ensure that rape and rapists are eradicated in our, in our society. Thank you so much, AI Sekwarandu. It was a pleasure having you on the show. And I'm sure that the relevant authorities are also watching and listening because we're also on Facebook Live. Thank you, audience, for that. I'm getting a lot of um, feedback on Thank your you conversation. So much. All right. Have a Thank lovely day. Thank you so much. Have a lovely yeah. day. Thank you. All right, so that was AIC Aquarand all the way from Emo State, and I'm sure people will be gagging to give their response. Now, I think what is clear here is that there is an issue. I think what is clear here is that there is an issue of one, um, misinformation. Secondly, a lack of adequate um, intervention. Two, and yes, lack of sensitization uh, in, in Emo State right now. And um, on the reported cases are also. You know, as a result of, you know, mis, you know, interpretation of what, you know, COVID-19 is right now at several levels. I think the, 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 the interaction between the NCDC, the state level should also be further pushed down to the rural level where it is eminent that people are not taking this action seriously. Um, what is the punitive measure for those who are found, you know, uh, positive but are hiding? or are in hiding, or people who are hiding possible COVID-19 patients as well. And these are some critical areas of, um, you know, interaction for the NCDC and some members of the, um, the you know, the presidential tax force within the states, amongst the state governors and some of the rural uh, institutions. So it is really critical that we actually look at this as a time bomb in Emo. And yes, um, the underreported numbers of possible uh Positive, uh, positive members within the state assembly in Imo is also uh, a very deep conversation because again, you know that these people have families, you know that they interact, they have meetings, they hold committee meetings and all that. But anyway, we'll take a, a quick call right now. We have a caller on the phone. Hello. Hello, good afternoon. Hello. Hello. All right, we lost that call. Please, the number to call again is right there on our Facebook account, but I can also repeat it for you. Our numbers right there are, uh, just for, just a moment, we have two numbers actually that you can call, 90 and we also have 80 Hello? Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, please yeah, uh, tell us your name and where you're calling from. Uh, my name is Henry. I'm calling from um, Abuja. Just being from Ori. Uh, okay. um, I, I want to. Well, first of all, Adora, I want to say thank you for for what you're doing. It's very good that you're giving us an opportunity to speak out because some of us really want to talk about the platforms to do so are very few. I'm going to talk on behalf of the citizens. Okay. Uh, Go ahead, go ahead. We can hear you. Yeah, you know, they say the citizens, they always tell us, wash your hands, be clean. But you go around the streets and you see a whole lot of of this. If the government is really serious, they'll lead by example. The first thing they do is to clean up the streets, clean up the areas. The last caller spoke about so many places that are, that are so messed up. Douglas, and such, and such places are so dirty. Do you go to such places and tell those people, wash your hands, wear your mask, when right before them is a big pile dump of dirt? Garbage everywhere, and you keep telling them to wash your hands. They're not going to take you seriously until you until you make it a serious. They're not going to think you're, you, you're you're telling them anything useful until they see you doing something about it. Okay, they say.
being reported. But now we see that the whole members, most of the room right now is that almost all the members of the House of Assembly have got this. And there's no, no one, none of them, not even a single one coming out to say this. And then you want to go and tell the public, do this and do that. When, when it comes to the leaders, they don't even do anything about it. So I think the government, need, government really needs to look into themselves. They really need to um, check what you're doing. And I think they need a little bit of pressure from the people too, you know, because I don't think there's any pressure on them right now to, to, um, to come out and, and, and be serious about this. They tell the people, they tell us, take it serious. Well, they aren't taking it serious in any way or in any form. I really think the government should really um, be pressured to do something more about this COVID-19 and the health situation. All right. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you. Um, that means he's saying the government leaders of public administrative offices should please lead by example. If you're telling people to wash hands, sanitize your hands, wear masks, go to public places, maintain social distance, it should start from you. And people will do exactly what they say. And he's saying that there is no thin line between, um, there is a thin line between, you know, sanitation and the spread of COVID-19. So if you're saying wash hands and when your market areas are piled with decks and places like, you know, uh, Ebu Road and Douglas Road and all those places close to markets are piled with decks, then you must be aware that you are just just, you know, making leap service. And until something is done to show practicality of those, you know, conversation, then it will be it will be futile. Now, still talking and going back to um, our conversation earlier on the state of emergency on rape, we, we, we did remember saying that we did a, tease, a teaser on social media. And our question was, um, what would you what would you recommend as the appropriate punishment for rapists? Castration or that penalty. Now, it will surprise you that um, some people also came out to ask a question and say, well, Ada, in terms of rapists, are you just thinking it's only male that rape? And someone asked us that question and said, well, in his experience, most of the rapists have been female. And so um, he's going to come from that angle of conversation. And I heard someone who say female, and, 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 the, and the recommendation was that female rapists should have genital mutilation, removal of womb, and some decades in jail. How, how, I do not even have an expression. I don't have an expression for this at the moment. And um, I, 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 I thought that, you know, genital mutilation was supposed to be eradicated. One of the things that, you know, classify gender-based violence being recommended for an offender. So it's like, you know, taking uh, punitive measures with another, you know, offense. So, you know, somebody was saying that online uh, yesterday. So I think that... Um, Someone else said female offenders must also be made to face the full wrath of the law. Hello, good evening. Hello, good, good evening. Um, my name is Monday. I'm calling you from uh, FRB Estate. Okay. Okay, um, regarding the issue that you are trying to help society and community understand the danger of rest. Okay. And the suggestion is just made as regarding the punishment, whether it's going to be a death penalty or um, castration. No punishment has ever ended crime. Check it out. When we fail to go back to the basis whereby parents should do their job in training their children how they should behave. 
no any judgment will ever stop evil in any form. It has always been increasing evil. Check it out. All the countries that have placed huge punishment or penalty on any kind of crime, are there such crime happening there? When we fail to do that which God says we should do, we will definitely live with the choice or the result of our choice. When parents refuse to train their children, when parents fail to place priority where priority should be placed, and bothered ourselves with amazing this, this neglecting the most important thing that should be inculcated in the life of our children, then we should definitely know that we are planting a seed that we will definitely harvest. And you never harvest one corn when you sow one seed. So there are multiple things that will come along with it. So the, the only way out is for us to keep on orientating our children, training them, let what are the uses of those churches we have. And the mocks, we claim to be religious, yet so many nonsense and crimes happening in our community. When we fail to do that which we, we are mandated by God to do, we will definitely live with the result of our choice. Life is about sowing and reaping. It's either we are reaping what we have sown or we are sowing what we will reap. Thank you. That's my submission. All right. Thank you so much. All right. We have another caller. Okay, we just lost that. Now, um, I, I think what he said is very critical. Um, going by the first um, line of thought, he said no punishment has ever ended crime, which is key. Um, and again, he says we cannot leave society uh, what should be done by families. And I think that's one of the messages I get from him. Uh, train your children in the way of the Lord and they will not depart from it. I think in a nutshell, uh, that was what he also said. Because um, the families have a duty to also train and protect the child. And I don't think that is just saying physically. I also think mentally and psychologically. Um, what you put in is what you get. Garbage in, garbage out. So if you don't put in enough time, if you don't put in enough attention, if you don't put in enough um, orientation in your children to know the do's, the don'ts, and also the recommendations that are supposed to guide uh, their behavior when they are in and out of the home, then what you get is a failed society with a number of people, uh, a growing number of offenders who have you know, lost um, the chance to be mentored by their immediate environment. But still going, and the reason why we did the Caesar and this um, data is because why we need this data is because we do know that the plenary, the House of Representatives and the Senate are looking at, you know, possible punishments uh, for offenders. And I know that even the VAP Act states several, you know, ways of punishment, which one is life imprisonment. Um Again, I think what we should also look at is the com com comments. I think the type of comments coming from the public is also instructive for you to see the mindset and where the orientation needs to go from. Someone said um, he should leave and enjoy his evil. Castration is bay. So I think what he means by castration is bay is that he means, you know, he supports castration. Someone says leave in prison with compulsory, uh, compulsory psychiatric therapy. Another person says first castrate him, then kill him. 
uh, that one uh, is coming from a male actually and not from a female and then you have one that says um, well castration is a good first step so they leave to tell their stories and there should also be an open sex offenders diary and that is also coming uh, from a male and I think another person here uh, says 14 years in jail <laughs> Um, I do not know how he came to that uh, summary, but let's take a call right now. Hello, good evening. Hello, ma'am. Good evening. Please, what's your name and where are you calling from? Um, All right, we lost that call. Please, if you can't even speak to me in English, speak to me in house. I can translate or pigeon. Okay, so uh, to also uh, our social media, uh, you know, people there, we are also uh, getting some of your feedbacks from there. Now, someone said here, um, she said, slow that, chop off his legs, his thighs, chop off his, mm, I can't say the word for radio, Um, chop off his hands, his chest, Chop off his neck before chopping off his head. Let him feel the pain step by step. Just simply castrating or killing is truly not enough. This sounds like a uh, a serial killer's method of of punishment. I don't know if this exists in the book of law, but I'm just trying to get the mindset. And what I'm trying to do here is not necessarily the response, but the mindset of the Nigerians pertaining the issue of rape right now. There's so much anguish, there's so much frustration, and there's definitely a need for follow-up on what can be done to uh, offenders. Now, imagine an offender in the hands of any of these persons. Now that is another picture you have to also objectify. Imagine any of these persons are caught by these members of the public. Hello, good evening. Hi, good evening. What's your name and where are you calling from? My name is Ada. I'm calling from the way. You have the mic, so tell us. Um with castration. Why castration? Because it, it needs to be alive to be seen that um, to face the punishment. Because I feel that is just too quick. It's just too quick and sudden. Just it's just a fast punishment. So he needs to be castrated. So you to want him to suffer? Exactly. Exactly. But do you think that punishment is enough to end the crime of rape? There's no. There's nothing. Rape. You can. I don't even know how you want to atone for rape. You cannot really, really atone for rape, truthfully. It's, 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 it's deeper than even the baby itself. But the thing is, the guy should be alive to see that this is the punishment. And then they, not only, they should not only castrate him, they should lift him. They should, he should be shown on television. In fact, they should have it. I don't even know how to put it. And the castration should even be shown publicly, if possible. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Ada. That is having Now... Just to echo her words, some of the responses we have here, Vivian Okbara said, um, no, uh, Okbara Joy said public castration. Then you have a Vivian Okbara saying cutting off the manhood immediately. That's if you catch the person. Then you have Nkasi Madimere, castration or life imprisonment. Kislin Chibo said poison. Um, that was what someone responded to. And then uh, I'm going to just quickly read this. Somebody said, if proven, castration if proven so there is a clause there someone is thinking the legal angle going through the normal investigation now that's exactly what i was looking at um why i chose to speak on this is because there has been a lot of jungle justice you find where people are caught and burnt alive for 
crimes, yes, very terrible, very frustrating, very hideous. But oftentimes, one in out of 20, you find out that they could also not be guilty. So I think that we should also think the law when we are thinking about this. So if someone says life imprisonment, it means a person has gone through the courts, gone through the police, and also there has been some level of, you know, justification for the crime in terms of finding him guilty. But Chike Anose said, um, I'm going to read this out, and this is uh, a very deep, thoughtfully put together conversation. He said, the more we view rapists with just criminal lenses, the less we are likely to mitigate it. Until we start viewing it with a psychopathic lens, then we can get to the mind of even a potential rapist. See more rapists as having impulsive obsessive disorder, just like kleptomaniacs and pedophiles. An armed robber or a kidnapper who put aside his main target just to rape, obviously, is a sociopath. Same goes with cultists, disguised guardian, ETC. This class of rapists tend to kill their victims because they fear consequences of an exposed act. There is an intrinsic desire to keep news of such act hidden even when they are glaring marauders. Psychiatric conditions are defined on spectra. We must get into the mind of the rapist. Then we may have good chances of preventing rape. Otherwise, we may be treating the symptoms and ignore the causative pathogen. Now, we must also find ways to rope in female rapists in this punishment net. Rape is condemnable. Victims must safely and wisely speak up. So, one, he's saying there's a psychopathic, you know, streamline between the act itself and the people. And so, it shouldn't just be about putting them behind bars. Now, Chijo Kyobweze said, has capital offense stopped people from committing offenses? People would around... People around the world are beginning to refrain from capital offense or punishment. I believe a rapist is a sick man, first and foremost. He needs more reformatory, more than punishment. He should face correction and reorientation within this period. He should be confined to others, more havoc, possibly five years. Now, laws are not made in anger or frustration, but to order the society and i think that's where we also need to take a cue from that and um i'm saying this because of the level of conversation we've had the responses public castration poison um you know life imprisonment kill castrate and kill again you know all kinds and manners of you know recommendations by the public uh, and i thank you so much for the feedback because one it shows that first that there is an anger against the you know the offense rape secondly that people are also frustrated at how to treat the offender that is very critical so uh for any member of the national assembly or the senate okay we have a call hello Hello, good evening. Good evening, how are you? Fine, my name is Michael, calling from Abuja. Alright, okay, so give us your feedback. Okay, I think if anybody's victim of rape should be sentenced to death. Should be sentenced to death, why? Because he's a bad woman. For you to have that kind of mind, to do that kind of thing to anybody, that means you can go to anything or clean anything, so you should go for life sentence, please. Okay, thank you very much for that. All right, so that will be the. Can we have just one more caller, please? Hello? Hello, good evening. 
Hello, good evening. Please, what's your name and where are you calling from? My name is Buster. DJ Buster. I believe the person should be punished in the sense that, like a lady, one of your callers mentioned, they should be exposed to the world via television, radio, and other social media. So as a deterrent to every other person that indulges such acts. And then I'm against cutting the person's manhood because if you cut the person's manhood, you have made that person an instrument of evil in the society because you will do anything any day you realize that he doesn't you have this and he cannot use it or he doesn't even have it at all. It becomes a danger to anybody that lives around or anywhere that he comes across in passes. So that person should be considered, should be punished so that every other person that does that or likes to do anything like that will stop or restrain himself. And killing the person is only when you catch the person they act. So they should just be killed at once because there's no point. Because some people might just use this kind of thing to frame people up and then innocent will get punished. All right, so, thank you so much, Bosca. Thank you so much. That's a, that's the uh, last phone call for today. Uh, just to round this up in, in a very neat way, um, the lady that just said uh, genital mutilation and removal of womb and some decades, somebody replied and said, the truth is no amount of punishment to be enough. However, genital mutilation and castration, I think, is against the law as well. But guess what? She said, ordinarily, genital mutilation and castration are against the law. So is killing and raping until they become a punishment by law. That by hanging and firing squad are lawful for some kind of justice. So when I say the person should be <laughs> castrated, I am being nice. And so I will round this up and say laws are not made in anger or frustration, but in order to help society. Thank you so much. And that's all we can take on the show today. Remember that you can join us on Twitter, on Facebook, and also on Instagram on Talk to Adora. Thank you so much, AI Sequando, for joining us today. And um, we'll take a quick break and then we'll bring a song and then that'll be a goodbyes. And see you again next week. And we love you, muchacha. <laughs> Just a kid, I can't take it on my own. I cry so many tears, yeah, writing this song. Trying to fit in with you, I've been born. I wake up every day, don't want to leave my home. My mama's asking me why I'm always alone. Too scared to sing, too scared to holler. I'm walking to school with sweat around my collar. I'm just a kid, I don't want no stress. My nose are bad, my life's a mess. The names you call me, they hurt real bad. I want to tell my mom, but she's having trouble with my dad. I feel so trapped, there's nowhere to turn. Come to school, don't want to fight, I want to learn. Please, Mr. Bully, tell me what I've done. You know I have no dad, I'm living Cause I'm hopeful, yes I am. Hopeful for today's music and music. Let it take you away and be hopeful, hopeful. And he'll make the way. I know it ain't easy, but that's okay. Just be hopeful. Why do you trip by the color of my skin? Or whether I'm fat or whether I'm thin? You call me a loser, you call me a fool. I ain't I can tell you that in my constituency, I'm yet to hear somebody telling me that he has benefited from the conditional cash transfer and other programs like that. It's worrisome that this is happening. How has this been for you? First, as a lawmaker, and second, as a Nigerian. 
Talk to Adara. A talk show like never before, delving deep into the hearts of social issues, unapologetic, engaging, thought-provoking, a show that bridges the gap between the people and policy makers, bringing solutions and giving a voice to these issues. Talk to Adara. My name is Adora Benitra. It is a privilege always to have you here. Every Tuesday at 4 p.m. on 99.9 Kiss FM Abuja. Talk to Adara. It will leave you at the edge of your seat.